You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV. And crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Thursday, August 18th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Disney Plus's She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 1, a normal amount of rage. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, how have you been? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, I have been okay. I, I guess that's probably, yeah, the best way to, to say it. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing great, nothing terrible, just, uh, you know, normal days every day. You didn't accidentally receive any gamma-radiated gamma blood to turn you not, into Green Hulk? No? Not not yet. I wish I would have because it would probably help me with a lot of, uh, you know, everyday problems rather than making things worse, I feel like. Okay. Well, a couple things before we get into this episode of the podcast. I do want to say that we, we don't know entirely if we're going to cover every single episode of the show. I'm saying that up front. We're going to try. I'm just not sure. And also, there's a crazy amount of uh, weeks in the coming uh, two months that where one of us is gone or both of us are gone at D23 or something like that. So there's going to be some weeks that will be combined into two episodes. So I'm just warning you ahead of time that it it might not be – don't expect it every single week, but we're going to try. So Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as always, if you you have a – 
theories, if you have questions, uh, you can send them to peter at slashfilm.com and uh, maybe we'll mention them in a future feedback section of this podcast. I can't, I can't guarantee if you send an email in, they'll make it on the air, but I'm putting it out there. So if you have uh, things that we did not uh, touch on, please send it to us and maybe it will be read on the air. Okay, so She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 1. Uh, we'll go into our brief thoughts, and I'll start things off by saying – well, actually, let's start things here by saying uh, I have only seen Episode 1. Brad, have you seen more episodes? Oh, yeah. I've, I have seen the first four episodes. Okay. So I was sent the first four episodes, but I was sent it while I was on a trip, and then by oh, the time you, I came home – yeah, I missed the window. I went to like log on and it was like, you have no episodes to watch. I was like, ah, I thought I had like 24 hours, but I didn't. Um, anyway, so I have only seen the first episode, but Brad, you haven't seen four episodes. Can you talk briefly without spoilers on, on your, what you think of the series so far from seeing four episodes? Well, I'll tell you what, first you tell me what you think of just this single episode. And okay. because, because my opinion is influenced by the episodes that follow this one. So let's just focus on yours for the first episode first, and then I'll get into mine. Okay, my opinion is completely based on expectations. And by that, I mean the trailers for this show have been, like, it's been the first Marvel show that I was not excited to watch going in. Like, it really, like, the jokes and the CG and... It didn't look good. And I even I even said to Brad, I even <laughs> messaged Brad. I was like, do we really want to do a weekly recap of the show? I'm not sure if if my if I'll be excited. And he was like, you know, let, let's watch the first few episodes. Let's see. Give it a chance. And I'm glad I did because I I think I don't know. It, it really did surprise me. And I'm not sure if it surprised me based on me having really low expectations or if it was actually really good or not. Um, I will say that tonally it's kind of all over the place. I'm a little worried about the CG, the action, and even like the you know dated jokes and comedy. But that said, I'm still excited to give it a chance and see more. And I hope this show will surprise me some more. There was a lot of fun to be had here. Um, especially with like the training montage and uh, the relationship between her and Bruce. And there were some, some comedy that was really good. It, it's just like, it was such a unbalanced mix of comedy. And I know you're the comedy person. So I'm, I'm curious to hear you talk about that, but what, what was your thoughts on the first episode versus the the three that you had, you have seen that we have not. Yeah. So I was kind of in the same boat as you, as far as my anticipation for the show. I, I, I won't say that I wasn't uh, like, I didn't think that it looked terrible, but it looked like it wasn't going to be all that great. Um, you know, visual effects aside, it just, it felt some like something that um, was struggling to like really find its roots in, in comedy and just felt a little too broad. And I think that problem does persist throughout um, but this first episode, I actually really, uh, enjoyed. And a large part of it is just because of the dynamic between, uh, She-Hulk and Hulk. Uh, Tatiana Maslany and Mark Ruffalo are really great together. And this, you know, story that like goes back to how, and reveals how she, uh, became She-Hulk and, and what happened there is, uh, in, in 
a good way to start. You know, we need to know where she came from. And they do a good job of giving us this uh, abridged origin story that also gives us an evolution of what we expect from a Hulk uh, character, which is very cool. Um, but the the comedy itself uh, does feel a little too simple. Uh, feels like almost like a generic sitcom level of comedy. And it doesn't balance as well with the the superhero side of things, uh, which is surprising because Marvel's usually really good at that, especially when it comes to their movies. And I think it's just the kind of comedy they're going for here doesn't land as well. It doesn't feel as clever as they're trying to be because like even the fourth wall breaking stuff doesn't justify uh, its existence. Like it feels like it's there almost as a crutch for them to like make excuses for like the kind of jokes that they're doing and uh, be meta without really being clever about it. Like when Deadpool does fourth wall breaking and stuff like that, uh, it's really funny because it offers like, you know, a bit of satire on the superhero genre uh, and blockbuster movies in general. But here it feels like a much lesser version of Fleabag, uh, the Amazon series that uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, wrote, created, starred in. And I found, um, and that's something that persists through the episodes that followed that I that I watched, especially when it comes to topics uh, regarding gender, uh, dating from the female perspective, anything that focuses on She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters as uh, a female character feels um, very juvenile. Uh, like it's it's the kind of jokes that have been that were made back in the nineties, and yeah. like st- stuff that feels like it should be more clever and more sharp by now, but it's very basic, broad, observational uh, humor and situations. And I don't know if it's because Marvel feels like they have to like introduce these concepts to, I don't know, maybe like a, a younger audience that might be watching since it is on Disney plus, or they're not expecting the comic book hungry uh, audience to have experienced a lot of the shows that this, this one seems to be like inspired by. Uh, but I just feel like, especially when you, if you have someone like Jessica Gao doing, uh, you know, directing and, and and being behind the scenes, that I feel like this kind of thing should be a little bit more advanced by now. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's a problem that persists. And then also the the vibe between the comedic tone it's striking and the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff just doesn't feel like it's it's meshing as the uh, the episodes go on. So. Yeah, I, I will say that when, while the gender jokes and stuff didn't really, you know, they, they disappointed me in the same way that they disappointed you. Usually when they have like those jokes in a Marvel movie, which just like seem to like reference other Avengers. To me, I kind of cringe half the time because it usually just feels like a reference to for reference sake. And it's not like anything fun or funny or clever about it. But I actually liked, you know, like the the Steve Rogers stuff. And- yeah. There's a couple of good uh, meta gags in here, at least when it comes to referencing like the universe itself, it's cause they're kind of doing a fun thing where they're talking about stuff that like the fans joke about online and that like we've written fun- amusing articles about when thinking about, <laughs> you know, the things like Steve Rogers and, and his virginity. But, um, but like other stuff when she's like addressing the audience and especially in later episodes, you get things where they're like cheekily, uh, acknowledging like uh cameos in the shows and stuff like that it's just it just feels like they're trying too hard to be clever okay interesting 
Okay, well, let's get into it. Let's get into the breakdown. Uh, so this episode begins with the Marvel opening uh, intro logo, which has been updated yet again with a couple new additions as Doctor Strange from Multiverse of Madness, and, uh, which might have been in Thor Love and Thunder. I don't remember if that was in it. But Natalie Portman as Thor is new here. And Ms. Marvel. Uh, oh, and Ms. Marvel. Was she in? She might have been in there by the time Thor. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Okay. So uh, anyways, um, so the episode begins with Jennifer Walters practicing a monologue, which is her like closing statement uh, that she's going to read to the jury. And uh, this monologue is about the responsibilities of those who have power, which I think speaks speaks largely to this episode and, uh, you know, what she's going through. Uh, so, it's, you know, maybe a little on the nose. Uh, but anyways, uh, so Jennifer Walters uh for the first time talks to the camera breaking the the fourth wall or third third wall or fourth wall it's fourth wall fourth wall what what is the third wall (laughs) just one of the walls uh that's in (laughs) third wall's 3d i guess um but (laughs) someone's gonna write in an email explaining this oh gosh okay um uh so she is this the first time a character has broken the fourth wall in the mcu um yes i think so at least in my memory recall i mean deadpool obviously has done it but he has yet to become part of the mcu yes that is true um yeah i believe so because i'm now i'm trying to think if there was ever like just a quick cheeky but yeah i'm pretty sure that this is the first time um and she's known for doing this in the comics uh she usually does that to like make jokes or um give some exposition or oh like, oh, oh sm- s- sorry uh no wandavision oh yeah 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 okay so this isn't the first time okay yeah um and and sometimes in like law uh, in like uh, cases to explain things that uh, people don't know. So so that, that's how it's used in the comics. I'm curious to see how it's used in the show. But it sounds like from, from your uh, your time traveling into the future, it seems, it seems like I'm not don't have much to uh, expect there. Uh, actually, before before we get started here, do you want to talk about the actress uh, at the core of this? I, I'm, I know I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, that's Is right. that correct. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, she obviously her biggest role was Orphan Black, and I never finished that series because it kind of got very convoluted. Um, but she played a bunch of clones of the same person, which had different personalities, and it was really like a tour de force of like acting. Like it was like really it was like oh my god. This actress is like amazing and like seeing how many different roles and they were interacting with each other and stuff like that. What, what do you think of her in this show? I think she's great. Uh, she's she's very good in this role. She's a lot of fun. Um, she brings uh, a liveliness to to the character and a great foil for, you know, Hulk since he's the the Hulk veteran and knows how to deal with the stuff. And she's just kind of easily, uh, you know, learning things. And like the, she's she's not cocky. She's just confident. And she you know, wants to get back to her, her normal life and just kind of seeing her try to do that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great spin on the, the Hulk, um, style character. Yeah. I think I like her more when she's Jennifer than when she's the she Hulk. 
at least in this first episode, which is kind of strange because I thought when she was cast, I was like, oh, she's perfect because she's great at playing multiple personalities. But I mean, here, She-Hulk is kind of Jennifer. Yeah, she pretty, much, she pretty much is. Like, yeah. there's no there's no mate, real difference between them in the way that there was with Hulk and Bruce Banner. It feels like more of an attitude change than like she's like it feels like she has more confidence or maybe it's just like the way she is <laughs> positioned. I don't know. Um, but anyways, okay. So uh, so basically, we have that talking breaking the fourth wall. You know, here's how we got here. Opening that has happened in a billion movies before. Uh, we get a flashback to the origin story where she, she survives a car crash with her cousin Bruce in the car, and in the process, some of the blood gets mixed with her. Also, be- uh, before we get to that that part, yeah. well, we do get an explanation as to why we saw uh, Bruce Banner back in human form in the credit scene from Shang Chi because that was something that hadn't been explained yet. That was the first time we had seen. Bruce Banner in human form since uh, Avengers Endgame when that was when we first met Professor Hulk or Smart Hulk as they call him in this movie um, where he had figured out how to bring Banner and Hulk together to be this very articulate calm version of both Banner and Hulk and then now we find out that he created some kind of device that allows him uh, to to stay human and keep that in control if, if he so wishes yeah and we also learned about the arm I guess we learned that later. Yeah. How he grew back his arm that was, uh, was it ripped off or just no, destroyed? No, no. Yes. It, so, it, like, um, much like when Thanos snapped his fingers, when Hulk snapped his fingers, it basically, like, completely scorched and disabled his, his arm. So it, it didn't fall off or get cut off. It was just completely incapacitated. But then we find out he was able to heal it. Yeah. Uh, but okay, let's rewind a second. Uh, there's a spacecraft that all of a sudden comes down in front of them in the middle of the street, uh, causing her to swerve off the road. And it looks like it's a Sakarian. I mean, it, they, they mention it later in the episode. It's a Sakarian class, a courier class ship, which looked kind of like the Grandmaster's ship. It did. Uh, what do you, I mean, it, it's hard for me to ask you questions, Brad, when you've seen uh, other episodes, uh, do you know anything more? Uh, how, how do I even approach this, Brad? No, I mean, uh, I so basically just, yeah, I, I'm, I, won't, I, won't say, I won't say anything about what happens except for just, I'll just say you don't get answers to this uh, immediately in the first four episodes here. Okay, so you don't know anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. We can speculate on this. I guess that gave someone spoilers that that's not happening, but I don't consider something you not learning something to be a spoiler. I yeah. hope you guys agree. And, on, and honestly, like when I, my, when I first saw the ship too, anyway, my, my, my instinct thoughts was that this was also something that was tied to that credit scene from Shang-Chi because uh, when Mark Ruffalo appears in Shang-Chi, he appears by way of hologram. And so I'm betting that there's some kind of gap here that we've yet to learn about that Mark Ruffalo has been doing some kind of work, whether it's with, you know, Captain Marvel or something like that, that deals with some kind of, uh, cosmic entity background detail. And that's probably why the, this Sakarian ship has come looking for him or something like that. Yeah. Well, um, Sakarian ship needs to like find a better way to approach them without causing them to crash off the side of the road and tumble you know and almost kill themselves but yeah. um 
Uh, I, okay, so the Sicarians we have seen a bunch of times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. They were hired as soldiers by Ronan the Accuser and Thanos. Uh, we saw them in you know Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor two and Avengers Endgame. Uh, Brad, I got some trivia on the Sicarians for you. Okay. Uh, originally, James Gunn wanted to introduce and give the role of the evil minions in Guardians of the Galaxy to the Badoons, but the cinematic rights to the Badoon were owned then by 20th Century Fox, so ah. he was forced to replace them with the Sicarians. And uh, the other piece of trivia I have for you, all the Sicarians in Guardians of the Galaxy are voiced by James Gunn and his assistant, now producer, Simon Hatt. Oh, well, so, there you go. And so that. That kind of worked in their favor, too, because then they were able to use Sakaar as the, the trash planet in Thor Ragnarok. So there you go. Yeah. So how do you think this is going to come to... Do you think this is going to be something that they're setting up for this series? Or do you think this could be something that they're setting up for, like, you know, secret... Like, you know, this could... Is this a setup for something else? Yeah. So far, this feels like it's probably going to be, like, a little dangling thread that gives you some idea that Hulk has something else going on um, that deals with something happening elsewhere in the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like, because what they've done with Hulk ever since Incredible Hulks um, is that they've just given him like a supporting role and like his story has unfolded in Avengers movies and Thor Ragnarok and whatnot. He's never had his own movie or show. And I think that they'll probably continue that thread and Hulk will have, you know, places and uh, parts in these other Marvel shows and movies that will allow us to see his story continue. Yeah. Well, isn't that a legal thing? Because Universal Studios or Universal Pictures owns the rights to the Hulk. He needs to be a supporting character that has less than 50% of the screen time to be in a, at least from what I read of it, to be in a Marvel Studios yeah. production. Yeah, there is there is still some kind of uh, legal thing and like rights issue that whole, keeps Marvel from being able to do a full-fledged um, Hulk movie. And I, I don't know if there's any like, stipulations as to like when that ends or or what but but yeah definitely that that's why hulk hasn't gotten a, a new movie or uh his own show yet you you'd think it would have ended by now because i know like the spider-man agreement requires them to make a movie like every i want to say like two years or something you know like there's yeah. some amount of time and they have not made a standalone hulk movie in many years now yeah since probably two, like 2008 i think yeah, so I, I don't know how Universal is holding. I, I I wonder what the what the deal is with that. If anybody knows, write us in. Uh, what what the deal is with the Universal deal? I'd like to know. Um, okay, so anyways, uh, Hulk thinks later on in this episode he says that he thinks they showed up to deliver a message, and um, I honestly don't know what that message could be. Uh, Hulk has had definitely had a history with the Sicarians in the comics, including Planet Hulk and other stuff. So, uh, yeah, well, I, well, I, I mean, and well, Thor Ragnarok, you know, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. he left, you know, after being the Grandmaster's gladiatorial champion. So, yeah. Well, in the comics, he actually like on Sakaar, he actually. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to say this. He finds out later that he has a kid. He gave he consummated a kid on Sakaar and the, the kid come, uh, comes, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen in the movies. Uh, well, but. you know, you know what I will say though, I mean, that, that would be an interesting message for him to receive. And also it would allow them to have a Hulk movie where 
the lead character isn't the Incredible Hulk, but he's still a big part of the movie. Hmm. I'm not sure if I like that or not. It it oh. it, it definitely hinges on who they would get to play uh, Hulk son. So Hulk son, the son of Hulk. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, before we get into the car accident, uh, Jennifer has this whole Steve Rogers theory about him not having sex, which we we later learn in the episode that he did. Uh, what did you think of this whole theory? Yeah, I mean, this was great because this is one of those things where that that is something that did come up uh, among the fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as to whether or not Steve Rogers. Uh, really got to experience sex because he was very busy during his time as uh, Captain America and then got frozen. And then we never, there was never really any indication that he absolutely was able to consummate his relationship with, with Peggy Carter, though one could probably make assumptions about, you know, after uh, him going back in time in Endgame. but there's still a pretty long period there where uh, he, you know, could have, not been sexually active uh but yeah it sounds like he 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 was able he was able to lose his virginity <laughs> do, do, do you think that detail do you think there's any story reason for that de- like does steve rogers have a kid that he doesn't know about no i don't think so okay I, okay yeah okay. fair enough i have to ask these questions brad that's what that's what i'm here for um okay so also when they swerve they hit the guardrail and we see this, um, which now kind of became a cliche shot of like the slow-mo shot from the inside of the car as it tumbles over. Um, but uh, the funny thing here is that the Flaming Hot Cheetos are flying out of the bag in slow motion. And uh, what did you think of the Cheetos product placement in this episode? Because like, you know, at first she's eating the Cheetos with those chopsticks, which by the way, is actually a, like a, a very real product that they make that was pitched on Shark Tank. That's actually a thing that you can – they go on, like, the end of your fingers so that you can, like, type on a keyboard and then also eat Cheetos at the same time. It's it's ridiculous. But um, – so she didn't invent that. Someone on Shark Tank invented that. Um, but also later on they're eating the Cheetos and then even in the, in the end credits we see Hulk, like, at a Costco, like, pulling, like, a whole uh, pallet – of Cheetos, although in the in in that in that like animation, it's not Cheetos; it's like cheese puffs or something. Uh, so, what do you think of the Cheetos product placement, Brad? Uh, I mean, it's an amusing little detail, and it's obviously it's definitely something that like you feel like a character like Jennifer Walters would make great use out of. You know, something someone her age would, you know, <laughs> get around having uh, spicy, spicy, flaming hot Cheetos dust on your fingers. Yeah, would you ever buy a device like that? Um, no, I don't really mind. I I feel like I get some kind of uh, joy about getting the the Cheetos powder off my fingers uh, myself. <laughs> but you're also not like typing on keyboards and stuff at the same time. You're not playing video games. Like the, on Shark Tank, they actually showed like the demo, like someone was like playing with the video game and also eating Cheetos at the same time. Yeah, I, I've never like... I'm I'm very conscious of like if I'm gonna have a snack like that I don't have it like while I'm working or playing video games or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you don't want to get that stuff in the keyboard for sure. <laughs> okay, so um, one of the first things I'm gonna kind of be critical about is uh, there. Okay, so Jennifer cuts her arm when she's like pulling herself out of the car, and it's basically the filmmaking in the scene is accomplished with a sound effect, like. You don't see it cut her arm, and 
you see her get near like the piece of metal but then in the next shot we cut to like a close-up shot and we see some dried blood on her arm and i don't know it just felt like very tv like it felt like very low budget like why didn't we see bleeding or why didn't we see like why couldn't they do like a little cg to to make it look like to to give us the more of an effect that like something happened there. Like this yeah. is important. This is like the origin of the character. Yeah. I mean, just, just the way it was shot felt like clumsy, you know, like it's like, like why, like there's no good reason why we couldn't, shouldn't see like how this directly happens or, or something like that. You know, like the only way you really know is like by Hulk, Hulk saying, you know, like, like, like stay away, you know, like there, I, there's, yeah. there's blood, you know, it's just like, I don't know why you couldn't directly show it, but. And I, I know this is more of like a nitpick. It's just like an execution thing. I feel like there was probably a better way of visually showing this. Um, in the comics, the origin is way more complicated, as it often is. Uh, Jennifer, uh, she was like shot by a group of gangsters on the same day. It just happened, Brad, that the same day Bruce was showing up to tell her that he was the Hulk. And uh, Bruce ended up donating his blood to her because there was no one else had the same blood type available and uh like much of the mcu i like the mcu streamlined version better I'll yeah say. okay so uh let's talk about uh she hulk's first trans transformation which i think is unlike the the sequence before it i think this is shot really cool i like how they did it kind of in pov so you don't really see it and then you see her seeing her own reflection in like the green tinted car yeah yeah, I thought that was n nice. Uh, so Jennifer shows up at a bar and a bunch of women find her in the bathroom and help her clean up. And here's also where we find the QR code on the wall that gives you a free She-Hulk comic. So they're still doing say, that. I got to say, I really liked like this group of uh, women coming in and just like immediately wanting to help help her in this scenario like they're just so supportive about everything, like giving her clothes and makeup and letting her use her phone and stuff like that. <laughs> just nice. Are you saying that that wouldn't wouldn't happen? No, no, I th I think it absolutely absolutely would, but I just I just thought it was a nice moment just to see this group of women coming in and just immediately helping, you know, uh Jennifer Walters when she's in trouble. Yeah, and then outside the bar a bunch of dudes start harassing her and uh, she gets angry and Hulk shows up and then she wakes up in a villa in Mexico that Tony built for Bruce and um there's like a destroyed Iron Man helmet in the living room. Do we know what that's from? I don't think so. And was it, I thought uh, that it was the a rescue helmet. Was it? Was it the Iron Man helmet? Or oh, what? maybe it was. Cause I, I don't because I thought it was purple. It might. Well, I mean, didn't he have different color suits? Or am I uh, uh, like uh, when we're talking about like Iron Man three and he had all those like yeah he did suits yeah but I just yeah I don't know uh, yeah I'm not sure. Yeah, and also she's wearing a Led Zeppelin T-shirt, and Hulk later is wearing a Nirvana Nevermind shirt, uh, which makes me wonder, Brad, are these Tony's leftover shirts? I mean, that would make perfect sense. <laughs> He's always been wearing, uh, you know, ACDC and other, you know, rock yeah. band shirts. So, uh, so the villa has a secret basement lab where Smart Hulk works on his experiments, and that is where Hulk explains to Jennifer what happened, and also that he can't fix her or give her to the the device that kept him as Bruce because the plot of the show needs her to be She-Hulk. It's basically what it seems like to me. Why can't he make a device for her, Brad? What, what do you, why, why is that not possible? 
I mean, I guess the, the the way he explains it is that just like it was very specifically tailored to him and what like the gamma rays did to his blood. And so, I I think that it makes sense when you consider the fact that obviously it's not affecting Jennifer in the same way. And so one would assume that that kind of device probably wouldn't work, you know, as as well as it would on Bruce because her situation is is different than his. It's fine. Uh, we have a we have a show called She Hulk. You need her to be She Hulk. Uh, I I just love that they actually have to explain it. Like they could have just went on and never brought it up, and then fans would have been like angry about it. But they they came up with they tried to come up with an explanation for it. Um, so uh, what what do you um? There's like some weird comedy here. Like there's the where she's like not feeling good and then like it cuts to like her eating pancakes and then there's also like some womanhood jokes in the next scene um there's a lot of the the comedy that i didn't really didn't vibe with me oh no um there's also a big dramatic deal made out of uh destroying her blood sample in the incinerator and how their blood would be bad like how it would be bad if the if someone some bad person got their the wrong the wrong person got their hands on the gamma radiated blood. Um, I'm not even going to ask you this, Brad, because I don't want to know the answer. But I'm guessing this is a setup for something in this season. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been there. It seems too obvious. Um, it makes me wonder if there's going to be another Hulk created at some point during the series. Um, and I'm not even going to let you comment on that, Brad. Not gonna let you comment. Um, okay, so Hulk puts her in a room where there's like a a, a saw wall. Which, by the way, Brad, what is this room used for? Probably for testing, like training training purposes. What Dur- the durability of things? I mean, maybe maybe if Hulk is trying to build build stuff for other people, he can test its durability. You know, I mean, I imagine it's a it's a pretty functional room that can do a lot. Maybe maybe it's even like one of those things where like it's used as a tool where it can easily like cut things for, for building. Like maybe it's, it was used to help cut some of the stuff they used to build the bar and the villa and stuff like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, so he puts her in there and it forces her to turn into she Hulk. And in the process, she destroys a bunch of equipment, including that uh, saw wall door thing. And uh, the big reveal here is that she Hulk doesn't have an alter ego and she is still Jennifer when she's She-Hulk. And um, is it just me or does something look off about the She-Hulk design? I think what it is, is her face looks much more uh, human proportioned than Hulk's does. The, the VFX for Hulk, you can see Mark Ruffalo in Hulk's face, but it still looks like a different person as Hulk. Whereas with She-Hulk... Her face looks just like a bigger, greener version of Tatiana Maslany. There's not really any facial expression uh, distortion as far as her features and whatnot. And so that I think combined with for me, I think the 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 part that throws me off is the hair. The hair looks too big and like borderline late '80s, early '90s for me. And just the way it sits on her head, it just looks like a terrible wig. Even if the visual effects. Uh, make its movement and stuff look real and natural it just it looks silly to me um and so like 
there's a lot of things they get right about her proportions and how she looks just like basically just like a bigger, more muscular human, not quite as, uh, you know, exaggerated as Hulk is. But I think that that creates almost like a, an uncanny valley situation where like it looks more realistic, but because we don't ever see people like that, it feels fake. I just realized that we're, we're like one of the jokes in She-Hulk We're we're sitting here on a podcast, uh, two guys making jokes or analyzing the way a woman looks. <laughs> I mean, not we're, really. We're but <laughs> we're ana- no, we're, we're analyzing the CG, not yeah, the way it's, she looks. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's but, not like we're um, sitting here like talking about her figure no, and whether no. or not she she's hot or sexy. No, it, it just occurred to me. But anyways, um, I think there. I have a couple theories on this. I I agree with you that it, she looks much more realistic than the Hulk. I think that's a problem. I think it's also when you put her in the same scene as Smart Hulk. Like when you put her side by side, it's just like Smart Hulk's so much better. Like the CG, it's just the design of it is so much better. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing there's a money, like, you know, it costs a lot of money to make Smart Hulk. And you're going to have her in this entire season of TV, this entire series. You need to make something that is easier, like more affordable on a budget to make. So I think, you know, uh, I, I think it's probably a cost-cutting measure. But it's also weird, too, because there's also some scenes, like especially in, like, the uh, the training montage and also the fight sequence between, or sparring match between them where it clearly seems like she looks better and she's completely CG, whereas, like, here it looks like it's almost like, is it? Is there ever a time where she has a painted face or am I like No, I don't think so. No, no she there was never a time where I thought that oh that's just her with green makeup on. It it seems like it's always a a, a computer generated character. It completely like it's not augmented onto like a body. Well, I know that there is a She-Hulk like actress that's a stand-in on set whether or not they actually ever use her real body mm-hmm. and put Tatiana Maslany's face on her is is another story, but I don't I don't believe so. Interesting. Okay. Well, there's sometimes where it looks like the body is real and there's other times that it looks like it's completely CG. And that could be just like a matter of like what C- uh, visual effects vendor they were using for that particular shot. But I thought that was also weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it Does it look better than the, the trailers? Because I remember oh, yeah. when the first trailer came out. Yeah, yeah, it looks infinitely better than the trailers. The trailers, they clearly weren't done yet. And, you know, and honestly, like it's... I have been I've been feeling more um, regretful or like guilty about like uh, talking, you know, about bad visual effects, especially in re- recent uh, months where like stories have been coming about about how Marvel especially has been like not really yeah. uh, using visual effects artists in a way that treats them, um, you know, like they're actual artists and people, but just as tools, you know, and really overworking them and constantly making changes and putting them under hard uh, deadlines and that's not necessarily all on Marvel because it's also on the visual effects houses who don't stand up for their artists and uh, you know have enough people or do enough to do it and also underbid to make sure they get Marvel jobs. Um, there's there's obviously some of the faults with Marvel, some with visual effects companies, but you know I, I don't want to be too harsh because they 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 obviously are doing the best they can with the tools they have and the time that they're given, um, and it's not their faults you know if they're yeah. not given enough time to make it look as good as it should. 100 percent uh that said 
you have to say something or else it's not going to get better. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course, of course. And, and, yeah, uh, and unfortunately it is, we're, it's a part critics. of the show. Yeah. And it's a part of the show, you know? And like, if you want it to, to look good and be believable, then it does have to look good, you know, but like, it's, this is, this is, yeah. this should be, our criticism is more so about the larger visual effects problem and not necessarily of the artists themselves who are clearly doing the best they can with what they have. 100%. And some of those artists are like working way over time to meet like specific dates. And there was even one report. What movie was it? Was it Endgame or something that was moved up like a week? And the artists. Yeah, they didn't even tell the visual effects artists. <laughs> they found out when it was announced by Disney that they had one last week to complete their shots. I was like, what the heck? Okay. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, so then we have this fun training montage, which I think is uh, some of the best parts of the She-Hulk of this episode, which is probably why they showed a lot of it in the last trailer, because they knew that this was like some of the good stuff. What did you think of uh, this whole training sequence? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was and like it's this is all the good stuff of seeing Hulk and She-Hulk together and them uh, being competitive and, and playful with each other. It's good stuff. Yeah, and I love that Hulk can drink a lot and get buzzed, but not drunk. I want those superpowers. Brad. and uh and also hulk burps and scares away all the birds yeah yeah classic like to do that <laughs> okay uh so next we have that meditation scene uh with jennifer which actually kind of reminded me of like the edward norton movie like when he like he had a meditation scene in that mm -hmm. um and uh jennifer expresses her desire not to become a superhero and Smart Hulk is trying to reason with her that she has a responsibility. And I, I kind of like this scene. I like this this attitude, like this um character arc a bit because most recently we've had a lot of like superhero characters that wanted to be superheroes. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Miss yeah. Marvel, uh Peter Parker. You know, it's like they got superpowers and they were excited to use them and play around with them and they they wanted to help. And I and obviously, like, it's not a new thing that to do the reverse of that. You know, the Hulk got powers and he didn't want anything to do with them. And obviously, this is a, a mirror of that. But I, I like what they're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, then there's a sequence. We have a sequence where Jennifer decides she wants to get back to her life in L.A. and she Smart Hulk is not willing to let her go, and that results in a sparring match. Uh, I almost wrote um, around the island because it almost looks like an island. It doesn't look like Mexico to me, but uh, it's, it's supposed to be Mexico. And uh, probably the funnest part of this is like Jennifer's clap back. Uh, what did you think of this whole sparring match? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, it's and I also um, like the idea of, you know, her we've seen stories where people reject like, you know, them having superpowers or not wanting to do the right thing. You know, Spider-Man wrestles with this because it upsets his normal life and what he wants. Uh, but, you know, with, with her, you know, what I what I like about this is that um, she, you know, she wants to get back to being uh, a lawyer, still doing stuff and still helping people and doesn't want to, you know, deal with the fact that she she has you know the these powers at all yeah yeah um the only thing i wonder is like what is our arc in the series because it seems like the arc in this episode is that her not wanting to take the responsibility and then by the end she you know takes off the heels transforms into she hulk and she decides to take on the responsibility of being a superhuman 
superhero. Like, where does she go from there? Well, I mean, we know that a big part of the show is the fact that, like, she's supposed to become become this attorney uh, who represents superheroes, you know, because it's, I guess, good optics to have a superhero attorney representing, you know, superheroes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily sure uh, as far as, like, what, what her character arc is after after that. Um, but, yeah. Do you know I mean, what I mean? Like, what does she have to learn after she learned she, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. I think a lot, I think really what it is, is it's her finding that balance um, kind of similar to Spider-Man of using her powers for good while still doing what she wants to do uh, with her life, which in this case is, you know, she, she's able to bridge them because she's, she can help superheroes with her, uh, you know, what she's learned from, by going to law school and being a successful lawyer, but also she still has the ability to protect people with superpowers as well, you know, and those those two things go together pretty well. You know, this is another problem I had, Brad, is I, I feel like they should have released more than one episode. I, I haven't seen the other episodes that you've seen, and I'm not sure how many would would be the right amount, but I feel like this episode gives you no indication of what the show is. Um, it does and it doesn't. Um, it's this, this episode definitely needed a lot of setup and like the, the last bit of this episode gives you some idea of how this is going to go. Um, basically like her, her being She-Hulk and trying to be a lawyer and the complications that creates for her, uh, in the end of this episode and what she has to do really sets up how the rest of the episodes are, are going to be and what, and what's up with, um, that dynamic. Um, and I don't think releasing uh, the second episode along with it would have really helped any. Um, it, it it might give you a better idea of how the show's formula will work episode to episode. But I feel like this was probably the best way to introduce She-Hulk. And it puts the show's best foot forward uh, to get people to, to, to buy into it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, so they end up going and destroying Bruce's bar, and he makes her help and rebuild it. And I'm saying this now: uh, Disney build Bruce's bar in Avengers Campus or in some theme park. I just want to have drinks at Bruce's bar. I don't even care if it's just a generic looking tiki bar. I want to buy a drink, at Bruce's bar. Um, and then they enjoy some Cheetos together before he finally lets her go. And uh, from there, we're back to real time. Jennifer talking to us, explaining she was right and Bruce was wrong and she never has to be the Hulk. And uh, with that, we go to her court case. And uh, by the way, it was cool seeing a courtroom sketch artist using a graphics tablet. Yeah, that was something I never actually thought of before. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense that they would be using that, that kind of technology now. Rather, I, And I do wonder if if that is something that they all do now, or if there are still some artists that still actually like do sketching or painting on, you know, canvas or paper or whatever. But that, yeah, I, I agree. That was cool to see. Yeah. If some, someone out there knows, let, let us know. I'm, I'm curious because I just assumed that they still use paper. And I always assumed it was like the idea that you weren't allowed to go into the courtroom and use any technology. Like you weren't allowed to like use a camera or a recording device, but like the only thing that was allowed was someone in there, you know, with analog, you know, things to, so I don't know that it was cool to see though. Uh, and also 
we're to assume like the the end credits that's that's kind of like in that style, right? Or is it? Yeah, because it looks like the end credits are like being painted, kind of like on that tablet. No, I, I think that tablet or not, the the end credit sketches are definitely meant to resemble the courtroom sketches that we typically see. Yeah. Um, okay, so the defendant's lawyer is arguing that his client is in his right to protect his business interests in it if his client knew there would be people in danger is a matter of interpretation, which basically, again, seems on the nose talking about Jennifer's situation of like her trying to protect her interests of being a lawyer. And if she decides not to be a superhero, then uh, does she really know that she's hurting people that are going to be in danger? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so, uh, so Jennifer Walters is about to give her closing argument to the jury when a superhuman woman comes busting through the wall do we know who this is, Brad? Uh, well, it's uh, Jamila Jamil, who you might know from The Good Place, or if you pay attention to, you know, gossip stuff like that. She's also a, a social media influencer on top of being an actress, um, and she's playing Titania. Wait, does she does she have controversy around her or something? Uh, she's one of those celebrities who like seems to garner like e- people either love her or hate her, and like so she's like had some opinions and things like happen in the media where she like that she gets attacked for it and that like it's it's a very complicated okay. like situation that yeah that she has um and but do we know who she's playing uh titania okay so that that's a character that was introduced in secret wars in 1984 and she was a, a first a super villain later an anti-hero but she's always been kind of like uh a she-hulk adversary of some mm-hmm. kind um I'm guessing Brad knows more, so I'm not going to let him talk during this part. Uh, I will, I'll will read off Wikipedia here for you. Thanks to cellular augmentation through radiation, Titania possesses immense strength. Her muscles produce considerably less fatigue toxins than the muscles of ordinary human, granting her superior stamina. Her body is completely resistant to physical attacks. She can withstand high-caliber bullets, temperature extremes, falling from great heights, and severe blunt force trauma without sustaining injury. Uh, what role does she play here? Why is she jumping into this courtroom? Uh, I can't even, I, I really have no idea. And I'm not going to ask Brad because he probably knows. So we're, we're going to skip that for now. I will say that the, um, first of all, Jennifer has to take off her heels and transform into the She-Hulk uh, to help control this woman and who uh, gets taken into custody and um Brad, what did you think of the uh who do you think <laughs> who who are you? And she's like Jennifer Walters, attorney at law. What I think of that? Yeah, what did because I groaned loudly <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I didn't hate it. Um it, it, it felt fun and you know, in in the moment it was something that was, you know, uh yeah i don't know it's just this is this is the kind of tone that the series strikes and like it's on one hand like it can be fun but on the other hand it it is a level uh of cheesy that we haven't like fully seen you know in the mcu so uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't know yeah like after she gets taken into custody she goes i'm ready to give my closing argument yeah (laughs) it's like cut cut to credits uh yeah i don't know and i'll also say the fight scene was pretty bad as well yeah very very clumsy uh fight scene here yeah um 
the end credits, courtroom painting style, uh, has a lot of fun stuff. Um, anything you want to point out? Uh, no, not really. Nothing in particular. Um, I like the shot of her posing with the costume characters on Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. I thought that was funny. Uh, Smart Hulk dragging the palette of cheese puffs, not Cheetos. I'm wondering why they couldn't use Cheetos in that one drawing, but I don't know. Um, and there's like that, there's one shot of her showing that she's like, has a dating profile and like a, like a Tinder like app or something like that. I wonder if that's going to be a subplot. Um, and then there's an end credit scene that has Jennifer, uh, who appears to be drunk, talking to Smart Hulk about her theory about Steve Rogers. And Hulk confirms that Rogers had sex with some girl on the USO tour. And then it is revealed that she wasn't drunk. She was just pretending to be drunk. Uh, I thought it was a fun end credit scene. I hope more of the Marvel TV shows need to do end credit scene on every episode. I feel like that's a thing that should happen. Well, Peter, I'll, I'll tell you what this one thing. Every episode of She-Hulk does have a credits tag. Yes. Okay, good. I'm happy about that, Brad. Yeah. I'm happy. Or I, I think I'm happy about that until I see them. So they're, we'll they're, see. All, they're all fun. Okay. Uh, speculation is hard, Brad, because you've seen episodes. It is. Um, okay. Here's a question I, I, I'm going to put out there into the world. And if you could say anything, you say something. Uh, how involved will the Hulk be? Because he's only credited as a guest star on this episode. So I'm wondering, is Mark Ruffalo... I mean, obviously, he's like a mentor mentor character. Yes. But will he have as big of a role in upcoming episodes? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I know. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, I, and I will. Uh, what I will say is the special guest star designation is there for a reason. Uh, and so uh, mm. this episode is definitely the most you see of the Hulk, at least in the first four episodes. Okay. That's what I thought. Um. Also, the episode title is A Normal Amount of Rage, which suggests that we'll be getting a more than normal amount of rage coming up. I don't know what to think of that. Uh, I really don't know what the show is. Like, really, that that is my um, that is my conclusion after seeing only one episode is I really don't. Is it going to be? Maybe you can answer this, Brad, because I don't think this is it going to be like case of the week. Is that happening? Is it more serialized? What, what kind what is this show um ye, yeah so it is as it goes on it does have uh a yeah a case of the week kind of vibe to it um there are there you've seen the cameos that are being made uh in yeah. the trailer alone you know so like we we know that tim roth is back as as abomination uh we know that that wong uh is involved in in the, the show somehow uh, so there's, there'll be a variety of characters who pop up, uh, some some obscure from the pages of Marvel Comics, others that we've met in the MCU already. Uh, and and yes, uh, once it is established what it, what she is doing as a, a lawyer, um, now that she has been revealed as as She Hulk, uh, there it does seem like that the show will follow a case of the week kind of vibe. But there are also little threads that like continue throughout the show that give it that serial uh aspect of it as well i think you did a good job of uh weaving through any potential spoilers there brad congrats hey thanks uh do, do you have anything else to say in our um speculation section i will say one of the things i'm most curious about is that the 
Um, within these first four episodes, the show does not quickly set up um, what She-Hulk's overarching superhero um, conflict will be. Uh, obviously, we're introduced to Titania here, um, but there's not anything where there's like a clear motive or plan or anything that's established. Um, it's very much deal like it has that um that procedural feel that case of the week feel and like it feels like it will probably slowly be building uh to something bigger mm-hmm. but it's not really giving away uh everything as far as like what the larger story is here yet i will say that a lot of the marvel shows and i've criticized this in the past on this podcast don't reveal the villain until like the next last episode yeah of the show that, that's been the case on, on a bunch of them um, so I would expect none less here, but, um, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about episode two. Again, you can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and redo this podcast on Apple podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.